I wasn't lying when I said I was on a bit of a roll here, folks. Uh, I give you the Ryan Hardy podcast. What to say about Ryan Hardy as an introduction? There isn't really much. He's a guy that's let his surfing do the talking, that's for sure. Um, and these days he's um, letting his experience do the talking. He's um, He's got a lot to share, he's got a lot to give. He's been through hell and back, and uh, I got to sit down with him for a really special conversation. Um, a guy I've had a lot of respect for for a very long time, as just a good bloke, as much as a um, great writer, iconic writer, one of the most stylish writers of um, of a generation, that's for sure. Don't need to say much more, do I? Here is the Ryan Hardy Podcast. We finally got there. <laughs> After some short technical issues, <laughs> Brother Dan Kirkman has come to save the day. What are brothers good for if they're not going to help you out with microphones at short notice? Yeah. Yeah. Another episode of the Laboogie Podcast. Ryan Hardy. Good to be here, Josh. It's great to have you. It's great to have you in Tunkurry or Foster now. Mm-hmm. We just had a surf at a... I won't name the name. Some locals might get pissed off. But yeah, we just had a good surf this morning. What did yeah. you think? Oh, I was loving it. Yeah. yeah. Just coming off the back of this um, coaching tour up and down the East Coast mm. and getting to have just a free surf, a couple of mates out, just totally engulfed in nature, which mm. is kind of one of the blessings of surfing here in Foster. Yeah. Like just in amongst these white sand beaches, turquoise, blue water... Massive cliffs, all covered in forest. Yeah, it's awesome. And then had my family on the beach. Yeah, vibes. Catching up with old mate. Yeah, Josh, that I haven't seen for a few years. Yeah, we were trying to remember the last surf we had together. I can't even remember it either. Yeah, maybe Fronton. We were at the Fronton event in 2017. Yeah, 2017. But I don't know if we actually got any free surfs in, or maybe a couple at Aguhero. But yeah, it's like it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while for me. I mean, you like most of my trips were with you back in the day. Yeah, what, okay. what are some of your memorable ones? Well, so, I think when we went to we went to Sumatra for the first time. Remember that when before Secret Sumatra was even a thing? Yeah, we yeah, did that yeah. trip. Yeah, I mean we did a bunch of Tahiti trips with um you know staying with Stews and Ben Holland and guys like that a little bit off the beaten path you know during the competitions and um yeah yeah I think also that boat trip the Tahiti boat trip yeah was I think probably that was a big one. Hey? Yeah, yeah. We, we went on it wasn't just your, your ghetto. Um, Bali, no. like seven day charter, live off Migorang uh, for, for a week. <laughs> yeah, it was a little we more were, fancy. Yeah, you know, it was, it was like it's nearly like mini cruiser style boat. Yeah, day. And that was we were awesome. Going between islands, mm. good crew, pumping chopes. Yeah, yeah. heavy chopes. So, yeah, we've had some good times. Yeah, we? yeah. No, it was good to get surfing with you. That board you're riding, I want to kick off with that because you're riding like a really interesting board, and we we're having a really big discussion in that, that surf this morning about kind of board size and design and stuff like that mm-hmm. i was testing out one of the Laboogie science collabs which you can still buy uh if you want to support your local clubs 43 and a half is what i'm going with i usually ride a 42 you're riding something completely different so explain that board to the, to the listener and to the viewer because it was yeah. really interesting yeah yeah this is a board i've been working on over the last sort of year and a half uh it's funny where where it all started um 
I was in the wood actually with my wife having a couple of days away from, from the family. Actually, I might have, might have just gone up for one day. Mm. And um, yeah, up there you get all these sort of treatments uh, and, and meditation things going on. And we went to this uh, sound bowl meditation and massage. And it was actually in there that I was yeah, diving into this vision of uh, surfing Changu on this, on this weird like longer board where I was actually kneeboarding, hitting sections and jumping up to my feet midsection you know it's just such a, a deep vision and, and you know mixing prone with st stoogie and, and drop knee and double knee and uh yeah i was just really amped on that and i thought i've got to i've got to make this bigger board and uh and that that just evolved into after a few samples creating this board that was still good for prone but goes sick stoogie and goes good drop knee because uh since i've been doing the camps in bali mm. and surfing so much and especially in like majority sort of up to six foot conditions a lot of beach breaks and wanting to have the desire to drop me and, and stand up boogie when it's small as well as have a board that that goes good when it's small mm. um that's led me to ride bigger boards and then this board is kind of my ultimate board where i feel like i can ride it in anything and especially in that under six foot range mm. and flippers or no flippers have a sick time in this board so it's strong it's 44 inches long mm. it has a template which um does favour drop knee and stoogie, so it goes a little bit narrow into the nose and it's quite parallel in its shape and narrow for its length. Mm. And and it, I've worked out it just goes sick for me prone. So mm. I've just been riding it for um, basically since I came back from Bali in October. Yeah, right. And, and I just can't get off it. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, like, as the, the discussion, I'm, I need to come back to the sound bowl meditation because I really didn't think you could... <laughs> I didn't think it was going to... I didn't think it was going to come down to a vision during meditation, but that's cool. I'm going to come back to that after this. Like, we were talking about it, like, because I'm on this 43.5, like, a 44 for you is, like, an easy two-inch step up to From, what you used to ride, right? Totally, yeah, yeah. Back... Um, all, all through the 2000s, when, for, all, when I had custom boards through tubes, full mm. play, onto VS, I was always around the 42 mark and mm. slightly under. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, it was, it was when I was going to Bali mostly and started getting a few slightly bigger boards made, mm. 42 and a half, 42 and three quarters. Each time I went up, it just felt like I was getting more speed off my bottom turns, making more moves, and it just felt good. So I just mm. kept going with it. Yeah. And then here I am today, I'm 44, and like we were talking about this morning, I don't think I'd go below a 43 now. Maybe, mm. And it's just something that's forever evolving, mm. you know, trying new things, seeing what works in certain conditions. And I know, so you today were riding a 43 and a half, mm. like, does that sort of resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And it's, you know, a lot of it comes down to a discussion I had with Mitch, you know, because Mitch... It was during the Kayama comp two years ago and it was so small, it was like a one foot comp and he had this 43 inch, you know, quite thick board and myself and Jake Stone were like, can we borrow that in our heats? Like, yeah, and so we were yeah, just yeah. rotating the board. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so all of us were riding the same yeah. board and, and, you know, it was, um, it made a huge difference to be able to generate speed in a two foot wave and and actually be able to complete spins without that kind of drag. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and speed through moves. Exactly. Like spins. Yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. it's um it's been a really big insight for me to look at these um, bigger boards. And even as you said, your feedback this morning for me was you said, like, it looks like I'm drawing out longer lines. It looks yeah. like I'm putting more effort into each turn and keeping the speed throughout. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's, that's what you want to do in smaller waves. You want to be able to keep on going fast. Yeah. So it's um it's quite a revelation. Like why why do you think we've come to this 
like why did we get to this point where it became smaller and smaller and more refined and and what's that all about like how did we get there well i remember in in the beginning when i had the opportunity to get customs through through tubes in the Mm. late 90s and i was riding mostly in wa where the waves are almost always sucky and powerful and fast Mm. and i so i grew up on the big moray 43 inch moray boards and i i knew what that felt like and what it looked like on footage you know that i was this smaller skinny grom getting mm. overpowered by this massive board yeah. and then i went i went through some mantas and had some sick boards you know some wing nuts um and then and then i went on to yeah the opportunity to get customs and i just worked out through that that you know just with my physique as well being quite slim and tall mm. um that it worked out that i'd get like I was making my board narrower and thinner mm. and because I was always in WA riding like the box and North Point Sucky Beaches they just seemed to really respond well as far as like dropping into a heavy wave and being able to come fast off the bottom mm. and shoot down the line mm. yeah and, and being able to look up at a lip and have a really good response coming off the bottom to get up to the section quick yeah yeah and because at that point that's where the, the sport was going you know mm. we went from late 90s where it went from GOB a lot of contests and small grobbly stuff Mm. and the guys were still riding big boards at that Mm. stage to uh, fast forward to 2000 2001 where it went to like Tachopu and Shark Island and you know uh, when once you're riding a barrel and the the waves is completely down the line heavy Mm. you know you don't need a board that floats because Mm. you're going that fast that you're just trying to control the thing Mm. and that's where a smaller narrower board responds better and back and also back then it was PE as well, which um, exactly is another factor. Yeah, definitely because that mm. was a much more flexible. It broke down just a lot, lot faster, right? Those cores because that was one of the interesting things for me when I came back into bodyboarding three years ago. I was like, um, what kind of board do I want? Oh, I want a PE with a stringer because that's what I was doing ten years ago, and it was like yeah. they didn't last long, but they were amazing boards. Yeah. And Polypro was this kind of weird you know kind of budget material is too light it didn't really have everything you wanted but that's all completely flipped now too like it's it seems like most boards are predominantly polypropylene or a certain type of it with stringers which was like a no-no back back then i was like you putting a stringer in that it's already too stiff and like yeah so yeah so there's been a lot of interesting changes and you know mitch now in conversations i've had with him he's saying he's committed to this 43 like that's his minimum size in this four to six foot range mm-hmm. are you on the same page now as well like for you it's like you can't even imagine going smaller yeah, at the moment no i've tried it like when i'm in, in bali on my uh, on my camp so mm. i'll jump on a, a mate's smaller board they might have one of my boards like a mm. shapes and 42 or whatever and i just feel like my style gets sucked in and, and i'm like real far at the front of my board and i have mm. to really cramp myself to do say a reverse mm. uh, or trying to make a backflip is quite hard because the landing has to be so precise because mm. the board's smaller and like you were saying before when you're going for a spin and you don't have that much speed then you're going to bolt down halfway mm. through the spin exactly you don't have quite as much speed going into it and uh as you're losing speed through the spin if you've got a little bit less board on you then it's just going to sink yeah yeah and so what, what i found happened through that transition of going up up in board size is my, my style adapted with it. So I generally ride a little bit further back and a little bit lower, especially mm. through driving turns and turning up to the lip than I would have uh, back when I was riding my 42. Yeah, you a bit more erect in your, yeah, yeah, in yeah, a bit totally. more towards yep. the front. Yeah, yep. when I was at the back of my 42s, yeah. I was more at the front of my board and a bit more erect. Yeah, mm. it's like yeah, it's like it, um, it throws your shoulder. You, you've got to compact yourself to mm. suit that board. 
and I feel better now that I'm lengthened, I'm stretched out, mm. and um, and I'm finding more drive from that. From I'm finding, you know, I'm finding that this longer board seems to suit my physique better, and I'm getting more speed out of it, and I'm, and you know, my chance of making air moves and uh, always having more speed is like mm. the benefits and feeling from it. Yeah. There's also this element you touched on where like you're actually thinking about stand-up bodyboarding and you're thinking mm. about drop knee as well and like this definitely wasn't the Ryan Hardy of the you know exactly. the, the yeah, early yeah, 2000s yeah. to the to even to the mid teens you yeah. know like you're very much a prone well you could always drop knee that's for sure mm -hmm. and you could always ride a surfboard too mm -hmm. but you know you never really put time into it but now do you find like what's that all about? You now thinking about these things, where does yeah. that come from? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there because when I was saying I was back in my 42s getting the customs, I was so prone driven, mm. you know, that uh, as far as, you know, I, I wanted to be one of the best riders in the world and that meant going on the super tour, it meant riding all these mm. heavy waves, it meant uh, doing things like spins in the pit, which suits, where smaller boards mm. suits that as well. Exactly. And. Um, yeah, whereas yeah, fast forward to today where uh, I'm doing my camps is where I'm in the water the most mm. and I want to be having fun with the guys in the water and for that, that for me means nowadays being versatile mm. and not just being, you know, my mindset's different. I'm not just prone, prone. I want to, you know, I'm trying to be, become this rider. Now it's like, you know, I just feel more, I'm just relaxed with it. I'm just going with the environment I'm in, the waves, mm. the people I'm with. And I want to be able to drop knee if I feel like that. I want to be able to stand up with you if I feel like that. Mm. Like, so it's a real, uh, you know, going by feeling and the conditions and wanting to have them the best time, not being mm. not being constricted. Mm. Yeah. Part of um, this whole, because having the best time is kind of like maybe the, the key phrase in all of that, mm -hmm. like when it comes to your writing, it seems at the moment. Because um, there was a period, and I remember we did a, we had a good chat a few years ago in WA over a beer after the, terrible mandra wedge comp that was like half a foot that was my big introduction back to competitive bodyboarding yes, yep. um but like we had a chat and you did say like one of the things that that um got you kind of really wound up and 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 kind of led to a lot of kind of issues for you was this really you had this real precise focus on your riding and you were really like analytical to almost like a to a depth that was unhealthy yeah is that is this part of the response from is that the journey that you've been on since since kind of that issue for you like yeah, and i'm yeah, referring yeah. to the mental health issue you've already spoken about it a lot elsewhere so we, we yeah. don't have to dive into it but like is the riding approach part of this journey back to just i'm having fun yeah totally yeah i mean um what really fascinates me now um doing my camps and and making close relationships with the guys and, and watching their riding and and you know, helping them to become better riders if that's their goal, or mm. just having a good time in the water with them if that's their goal when they're on holidays. And you know, the psychology behind how a person's riding and you know what they're going through in their, in their head and in life, like that's it's so closely related. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, coming coming through that period, you know, reflecting on it now, um, you know, what was going through our mind was totally reflected to what was happening in the water and how how good of a time I was having. Mm. And there was a point where, where we talked about in WA that um, I was you know, so deeply obsessed and um, thinking so much about being the best rider that I could and having the best equipment and, and you know, potentially winning a world title that, uh, that, that was almost all, my, that all that my mind was going towards. So I'd be constantly thinking about my board if it was 
performing for me, constantly thinking about if, if my uh, moves I was working on were, were perfect. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, I remember one wake up call was when I was surfing at Budge with Winnie, and uh, this is around tension days. And uh, he, was, he was always someone that could, uh, you know, very naturally talented and, and mm. just could, without even thinking, he could just go out and rip and, and make it look good. Yep. And I was Damn surfing him. at Budge and I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm in like, that's it, it's, it's a good influence. Yeah. And uh, I was up at the beach at home in WA and I think we might have been filming um, just a smaller fun session. I was bouncing between boards and I guess he could just see that I was just so serious, you know, like so <laughs> focused in and, and I was and, um, you know, come out in the water and he's like, oh, you're, you're so Paul Sirenman, <laughs> <laughs> which is a phrase at the time from a sports guy that had that name. It was just a name, a, a funny thing to say if someone was so serious, serious and yeah. it kind of just, it stuck with me and it just made me, especially afterwards, realise, shit, yeah, I was... Uh, very serious but I still think it was a positive experience because mm. I thought about things so deeply across so many uh, different facets you know like the equipment uh, different things I could be doing on the wave how I could be in best shape for the comps like I learned so much through that period mm. but it did take me to a dark place mm. yeah and so coming through that and you know when, when I got to my darkest point where I, I became ill with bipolar and had to do time in the psychiatric unit and had to have months off going through a depressive period and, and have a break from anything stimulating mm. you know coming through out of that and being able to reflect on how serious it got and where that took me then then I really went on a journey of okay uh, I really feel like now now it's a time to free myself from that and and be happy with where that's taken me to mm. as far as like my riding level and my opportunity to to be traveling again and be with my friends and live this dream lifestyle uh without that burden mm. and that was like when i returned to the tour for like oh nine and then got the iba years mm. uh to be able to, to really really enjoy that mm. and just let my riding uh be be free and and not be so um uh, a little bit, you know, tainted by uh, over analysis and and obsessed, uh, being obsessive, and and so I really had really good time through those years, through the IBA years, and and I was also on uh, medication through that period, which helped sort of uh, slow my mind down a little. Mm. Yeah, which was positive through that that time. I think. Yeah, that was just a part of that that period, and then yeah, you now coming through all that and going to, into the coaching. And running camps beyond the competing mm. and reflecting uh, on the trips I did and the traveling and the competing and the being a world tour competitor and being a, um, a high profile rider you know the the core thing through that whole time was always this part of life which was just incredibly fun and rewarding and you know giving you a big buzz mm. and so that's sort of that's how I look at bodyboarding now is this thing that just keeps me stoked and healthy and makes keeps me feeling young and that's something I can pass on to all the guys that come to come to my camps. Mm. And um, so, you know, I just feel that the whole thing was a positive experience, but it did take me to, to dark places at times. But it was a very good learning experience and I have all the knowledge and experience now because of the way my mind is. Like mm. that's just uh, you know, so so nowadays coming now I'm sort of learning to ride this new wave of, of figuring out what, what this mental health thing is mm. since 
about uh, a, bit, a bit over a year ago, just slowly come off medi medi my medication, and so I'm, I'm like learning. Okay, so this is how my mind works. Like, how am I going to turn this into a strength? How am mm. I going to be able to live with this uh, d disorder, as it's called, you know, mm. bipolar disorder? How am I going to uh, become, you know, how am I going to be able to keep order within this disorder and mm. use it as a strength and inspire people through that? You know, not just just through my bodyboarding, but just through how how I can use my mind as, as a positive and the way it, it goes so deeply into things and it makes me so sensitive and, mm. and feel and think so much. Mm. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing because I know like looking at um, the journey because I was I was part of it when I you know I was a I was a bystander mm -hmm. during your um, these days when you you're saying it was obsessive it was this deep analytical approach and I, I feel like Mitch also went through that process as well like you know when he yep. went from the, the the kid on the manta board flipping out all over the place and then he went on this journey with mike stewart and kind of refined everything and that was like a years and years and years process of refining 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 and he's a bit obsessive as well you know he's mm -hmm. got the same kind of characteristics that you're explaining i mean for me my problem is that i've never been obsessive enough <laughs> you know like for me i've just kind of like oh well that works i'll stick with that yeah and like yeah. Oh yeah, I just want to heat with that. I'll stick with that. Like it's it's never been um, getting into that depth, and I feel like it's 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 a it's a really big benefit if you can survive it. Yeah, you yeah. know, like and that's where you're at today. Like you've and I think Mitch is there as well. You know, like he's yeah. he's done his refine. It's like he's sharpened the blade, you know, over years, and you can sharpen that blade too much, and it starts to cut you every time you try to sharpen it. Yeah, yeah. It's and when, you know, yeah. now you've got this kind of, today you've got like this sword that's ready to go, but you know how to be relaxed and free with it and yeah. um, not cut yourself to bits in the process. So do you feel like it's, it is a necessary part of the journey? Because I'm feeling like it is if you want to get to the elite level. I, th I feel like it can, it can definitely help, you know. It shows as a successful character trait, mm. you know, through guys like myself, and Mitch um, that you know have, have gotten to this very elite level in our sport because of how self-analytical we've been yeah. because of how obsessive we've been you know as far as time in the water over the years yeah. and you know that carries across so many different sports mm. and um, it's like uh, you know how how successful can you become but still be uh, healthy you know? yeah. because as soon as things become too stressful but that's going to show you know emotionally mentally that's going to show physically as well yeah so you know uh, as anything in in life that you could try and find the the optimum result from it's all about balance mm. you know so yeah so for me today uh balance is like time in the water time with family uh, pushing myself but still enjoying it mm. and, and reflecting on on where i've come from and using that experience and knowledge to put to put through in my coaching now, mm. and and now going on this uh, journey with my mental health, which is fairly new, you know, um, yeah, coming coming off the medication, and it's like I'm back in that I'm I'm that bodyboarder again. That's very driven, very mm. motivated, very self analytical, but but it's you know uh, as me as a person with this mind that's very sensitive and. Um, and I'm trying to work it out, mm. and I feel that, that that will really pay off for me, just like it did with bodyboarding, mm. although it's been very challenging, and it's something that I can, you know, get aspired uh, to 
get to a level that will influence other people that are, have suffered through ment mental disorders and just every everyday people that mm. um, you know that go through things emotionally and mentally that mm. affect them mm. and uh, yeah be a positive influence and with this um because there's this other side of you, like you, you say, like so. You're com are you off medication completely now? Not completely, but yeah, you're on so a journey off it. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So with 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 my wife, like so, she's very health orientated, and she's mm. done uh, nutrition courses, and she's doing a um, naturopathy university course at the mm. moment. She's been forever like my carer, and has forever had my best interests at yeah. heart. And yeah, it is, it is my goal to eventually completely come off. Okay. But to, with with a real team around me mm. to sort of uh, observe and encourage and and um, you know just be on that journey with me. Mm. And, and yeah, my wife's a huge part of that. Mm. So the main one I came off with the mood stabilizer, which is sort of the 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 number which slows slows mm. things down, slows yeah. mine down. And then the, so I, I eventually came off that. And then, so now I'm just on medication at night, which helps me, which basically turns switch the brain off so you can go to sleep. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, mm. that's that's sort of keeping me balanced for now, mm. and, that, and that's working. And um, yeah. What, what so does the well? That? I'm just wondering, like, because this is a pretty serious journey. I've got other mates. I've got a very good friend who had a similar journey, and he's totally off it too. Okay. But he went down a pathway of like transcendental meditation healthy mm -hmm. eating healthy lifestyle lots yeah. of the the good stuff lots of water lots of like monitoring what he's putting in his body yeah you know yeah, and that, it's been a big it. journey and i mean he you it sounds like you're actually being very um the word i guess is structural about it around yourself so you're talking about having a team yeah observing feeding back yeah then, then, assisting yep. you know like you've yep, got totally. like a yeah. a bit of a cocoon around you Yep. in the process is this the strategy is this like for you what are the key elements you've learnt so far on this journey about coming off the medication like what are the key maybe insights that you might be able to share with someone who's kind of in a similar stage and they're like shit I yeah. want to get off these mood stabilizers I feel numb all the time like what yep. are you finding in your personal journey yeah well um, for me it's just not being trapped in my mind you mm. know so the, the hardest part through through the whole time was um, yeah being trapped in my mind which would make me stressed and and uh, make me feel a little bit alienated from my environment mm. you know so so now so I've got this team and I have part of my team is uh, mm. uh, friends of mine that I'm constantly in contact with that have lived through the same disorder okay. or that have lived with through other mental illness and being able to be constant be able to constantly like reach out and um, share how I'm feeling or what what I'm going through and being able to talk to someone that can relate to that mm. and um, just basically just not be stuck in this little shell mm. you know because that's that's a place which has led to terrible things like mm. suicides or, yeah. or real deep um, depression or anxiety or, or people go on these manic sprees and yeah. spend all their savings and ruin relationships and yeah, you know, there's all these worst case scenarios yeah so yeah you know I feel that by surrounding myself with this team and being really self-analytical and um, you know, yeah, I'm really like documenting, so journaling. You know what's what's happening as I go along. Okay. Because it sort of it just sort of seems and feels like not not too many people have done this. Mm. You know, so I feel like if I can really have a good go at this, then I can go on to to coach and mentor, and be a part of um, giving hope 
to the people in uh, in mental health community and, and in general, you know, mm. yeah, to be to be healthy emotionally and mentally, which goes completely transcendent into physically. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. What are the benefits though of this, um, like coming off these mood stabilizers? Because to me, it sounds a little bit like, I mean, how do you describe it? How can you describe it to someone who? who has never experienced that type of medication like can you can't yeah it is quite easy to describe so mm. so you know reflecting on so i was on the mood stabilizer for uh, 11 years mm. and it wasn't until i came off that i realized kind of what it was doing mm. and, and and in the beginning when i first went on it um and, and I went into a depression after a, a what's called a manic period where I, I was very high Just energy. up, uh, inspiration yeah, not, everywhere. Not sleeping much, yeah, you're very, you know, in a high energy mood, your, mm. your brain's going crazy with ideas and creativity mm. and, you've, and, you've, and you know, so mentally you've got super high energy which also transcends into physical high energy. Mm. So you feel like, so you've got all these ideas and, um, and you're feeling so physically active, so you want to do so much mm. and you feel invincible, like you're feeling so high. Mm. And you know, the longer that goes on, the longer the crash is going to happen afterwards. All oh, right, so it's yeah. relative, it's proportional. Yeah, yeah, the so up is proportional, proportional to the which down, I'm, which I'm working out now as okay. well. Yeah, and um, so yeah, that happened. But then, um, so the mood okay, stabilizer. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's so, it, so what's describing the that. Yeah. Um, so so reflecting on the eleven years that I had, it, it just basically felt felt like it sort of normalised me. So as far okay. as as far as um, as far as being in social situations or mm. the way I th think about things or feel about mm. things, it, 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 it uh, puts me in a, a spectrum of, of what felt like uh, feeling, feeling normal. So not getting too extreme in um, how high I felt as far mm. as um, creativity and inspiration of mind and, and uh, stoked physically hmm. and then at the same time not not feeling as anxious about things not feeling getting as angry and easily agitated hmm. so basically when so yeah so I feel like on that that whole time through mood stabilizers it whatever happened in life I wasn't too overly affected hmm. but and that's when, a neat, that sounds that doesn't like, sound great to me at all yeah you're right you know yeah, like yeah, it, it sounds I mean, like good if you're coming off the big peaks and troughs of a of manic and and then and, yeah. and then down into the depression. Yeah. But it also feels like it might be In, this cloudy state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Of indifference yeah. or ambivalence yeah. to a circumstance. Yeah. But the, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the the mind and body has a way of, uh, um, so desensitizing a little bit as you're on it over time. Yeah. So, so you do. So it definitely felt like you know I had a great life and I lived within a good scale of mm. of feelings and sensitivities. But yeah. once I came off it. And my world of sensitivity just opened up so much, you know, like yeah. as far as all my senses just feeling alive, but and and my mind just uh, speeding up, a speeding couple up of so gears, much yeah. more, and getting so much more insights and, and creativity. But mm. at the same time, I was also very easily agitated. Um, Coming off the mood state. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, totally, yeah, and, okay. and you know, very sensitive to my environment, mm. you know. And so I'm sort of slowly learning, like with with seeing um, mentors and gurus, mm. uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, energy workers, which work with uh, your emotional things that have happened in life and mental mm. things which affect you physically, mm. and um, learning a lot from them. And uh, yeah, so I'm so I'm sort of learning to 
control a little bit how sensitive I am to, to environments. Yeah. So, you know, so imagine that I, I go into an environment where I'm surrounded by angry people hmm. and, you know, that can that could really spark me to become very, very angry very quickly and okay. easily. But through, adopt, through learning techniques, through certain people, it's about sort of turning your energy inwards hmm. and, and being, able, being able to have a breath and... Uh, you know, learn to control that environment so mm. so you don't become the energy that's around me mm. yeah so that's something i've uh, i'm really uh, trying to learn at the, at the moment mm. yeah in living with these sensitivities yeah yeah um, it sounds like also in moments of joy uh, a joyous moment yeah it sounds like you can have a better time then yeah yeah, then, yeah you know yeah. like that like well it feels like how does that feel I mean, it feels like a lot of the time I have to sort of suppress myself to not uh, just seem too wild and crazy with, with, with how joy. I really feel, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and in the same respect with agitation and anger. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have to really find myself uh, controlling the way I feel, mm. you know? So, so it's nice to surround myself in a, an environment and people where I can, especially on that high end, where mm. I, I can really feel that energy and get a, get a real high and... and uh, and say, you know, put all that into my... And I know that in the past, um, particularly when I was younger, that that energy went into my surfing. Yeah, the stoke of it drive. all and things yeah, like yeah. that. And, and, you know, how creative I could be on the wave. Exactly. And, this is kind of where I was going with this because I feel yeah. like there are benefits to being manic sometimes, yeah, totally. right? You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. if you've yep. got the manic state, I'm, I'm just assuming because... I don't know where I fit on on any spectrum of these things. <laughs> Maybe I need to get a diagnosis, but like it, I assume, well, I know only from my own experience, if I'm surrounded in the water by top performing people mm -hmm. in, in critical waves, I change yeah, yeah, to yeah, that yeah, yeah. It's surrounding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so totally. it's like a positive force. If I can come up to their level in my own sensitivity to the moment mm -hmm. i'm going to be better at what i'm doing and yeah. and i get this in comp you know you get this in the competitive environment i think a lot you know you're at front on for a comp and you see guys doing stuff and you're like man that was sick yeah oh, i gotta, gotta do that too and yeah, oh get, that big wave oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. like there's a there's a positive element there but yeah did the mood would you say the mood stabilizers like did they cut off a bit of that for you and it affected performance in, um, in those moments like say competitive moments or whatever I'd, I'd say like just uh, you know because I, I had a lot of good years and, and some of my titles you know through like like when I went pipe in 09 and yeah. Ireland in 2010 like, this is on the meds yeah this yeah, is, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right. you know so I feel like um, it's not that inhibiting okay but it feels like you know coming off it now that potentially uh, my build my you know energy capabilities could be greater the mm. potential is greater uh, just being in a natural state, not yeah. being medicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so there is an upside there. Yeah, there, there's potential there, which yeah. I'm sort of trying to find out. Yeah, you know? this is, and it's it's cool for me. It's exciting. But then, you know, there's there's uh, th there's the worrying side where you know where where tragedies have happened mm. because of the vulnerability that a, a person that's lived with a mental disorder has when their thoughts go to a negative side. Of course, you know? go down that you know, way, and then. Um, yeah, all, all sorts of uh, you know, negative things can happen. So it's like, so almost the biggest part of this journey is for me is, um, well, how can how can I best control when things go into the negative? You know, yeah. When they go into feeling low, when they go into feeling angry or feeling anxious, how mm. how can I best 
deal with that and be supported in that time mm. whereas when when the mood's high and the energy's high that's yeah that's that's the nice time yeah so things are good and and you're feeling amazing so it's like it's like okay that's that's sort of the easy part mm. but then in, in a person that can become quite ill and they become too high and delusional yeah they they can start thinking they're the supreme being and, and yeah. not worry about things the messiah like, stuff yeah, that people yeah, go yeah. through right and yeah. they just start spending credit cards and yeah. um uh, just going way out there and, and they lose friends and lose mm. families and that's that's a bad side as well of course yeah yeah of course but, um, can you can you like is it really possible like in your opinion at this point in your journey like mm. is it possible to really have one without the other like can you can you focus on reducing the negative while allowing the positive to be a little bit more or is it uh, is it a balance yeah, that you simply um, can't escape yeah that's that's a really good question and that's sort of uh the, yeah the main thing i'm trying to explore is um yeah, so what's 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 the, the healthy level of high that i can get to mm. because in that high mood for anyone is the time where you can you can sort of achieve anything you decide to achieve yeah. you know whether it's yeah sporting or um you know with your mind and uh, with your intelligence or as a as a performer you don't yeah. like um sing dance anything creative yeah uh, anything to do with your work you know with high energy when you're really on you know thinking and physically you've got so much potential that's, totally you know that's a place that anyone would want to get to so you exactly. know so where so how can i like achieve that with being able to deal with the aftermath, which is uh, what I've experienced in the last year, is real tiredness, mm. uh, low moods, where which is a place where you often think about uh, low or sad things that have happened mm. in your life. Yeah. And you know how how can you get through the aftermath, the low periods, um, as well as you can, and uh, not suffer. Mm. Basically, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And not have bad things happen. Yeah. I did say during our surf this morning that we weren't going to dwell too much on the mental health <laughs> yeah, discussion. Yeah. Here we are 30 minutes in and it's been dominant. But I think like, I think to bring it back around to what we, what we kind of uh, discussed, and these are a couple of questions that came through the DM on Instagram. And thanks to everyone who um, threw questions out there. That's really helpful. And hopefully I can get some answers for you. Um, one of the things that came through is there's this um, foundational... What's it called? Foundation. Foundation training. Okay, foundation yeah. training, and also the fact that you're a vegan now as well. Now, yep. I'm making the big assumption that these have a lot to do with your journey in the mental health space. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that much. Yeah. Tell me, tell the audience, like where where does this foundational training come from, and what is it all about, and why is it important to you now? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's mental health related, but the way I look at mental health is it's completely intertwined with physical health. Mm -hmm. Mental potential is physical potential. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this uh, foundation training came about when, so it's originally a training that was born in the States uh, maybe about five years ago. Mm. And the head trainers came out to Margaret River in WA and my wife sort of suggested I should go along to this thing. So it's like, I think I might've been having a few little back problems at the time and mm. it was supposedly really good for remedy for sore, sore backs and, and it's like a stretching mm. uh, uh, way of sort of building the body up to become strong and invincible basically mm. for, um, and strong from injury and yeah as soon as I, I went to the classes uh, I just felt uh, results straight away mm. and just felt like yeah this can really stretch out any uh, tight areas I've got and make me strong from the core to be able to go into whatever 
activity I want. Okay. And yeah, so I just followed it from there. Kept um, doing like private sessions with some of the US trainers that came yep. out. And then followed it up, did a, last January, about a year ago, did the actual level one training course to yeah. become a foundation trainer. Okay. And like bring that into my bodybuilding camps yeah. and, and just see where it, where it goes. Okay. And so now I'm like halfway through my 50 hour um, uh, training hours to become certified. Okay. And so I'll, I'll be doing that in my Bali camps this year. Okay, so that's a new addition to the yeah, Bali camps. Yeah, it's a new addition. Yeah, it's okay. just like, yeah, as, as I'm going along with this journey, I just feels like the more feathers I can get in my cap, mm. the more I can uh, offer to people to get to, in that uh, mental, physical uh, s- strength that, that everyone has the potential to get. Mm. You know, that's, that's just another feather in the cap to be able to. Um, allow people to see their potential of what their their mind and their body is capable of mm. if if they really um make the effort you know especially mm. especially for people as they're getting older you know because but you uh look at teenagers early 20s which is something you'd be able to reflect mm. on as well and think about how that you are literally invincible at that time oh yeah I was you invincible can, for sure you can just throw your body at anything Still and it recovers am. so quick quick <laughs> and repairs so quick but yeah. as, as you get older and um you, you go that hard and, and your body takes longer to re, to repair yeah and injuries take longer and um you know anything you can do can um give you give yourself the more more potential to still mm. get to that energy level of a young person but be able to sustain it mm. and and do uh and feel and feel good mm. you know and, that, and that's part of the vegan thing as well so yeah well and about that is is that purely the the, the health impact on your body that you're coming to that conclusion or are you trying to save the pigs and the cows from the yeah. slaughterhouse like wh- where does it fit for you because people have many different motivations for going yeah. down that path and yep. so yeah what, what does it mean to you yeah totally well uh yeah for me i mean anything i've ever done that's related to my physical condition has always kind of comes back to bodyboarding yeah and um and being you know the best the best rider that i can be so whether it's mm. like whatever whatever activity outside of bodyboarding that i can do to make me my me give me the best possible physical shape and the, and the best potential for performance mm. and i'm going to give it a crack yep and yeah about a year ago my wife in bali um started uh with her vegan diet mm. and she was watching these documentaries and i remember she was trying to get me to get into it like mm. she was quite full on with it and yeah. that, that of course kind of turns you away but yeah. like if, you're, if your mum's trying to make <laughs> you do something real me. full on yeah, yeah you kind of get pushed away but yeah. she kept playing these documentaries in the background when I was around the house <laughs> and um this is that environmental stimulus yeah, that you're more um, stimulus, sensitive to now open, yeah. you know you're doing three things at once so she's manipulating your journey out of the um yeah, of the, of the yeah. mood stabilizers okay yeah. so she's influencing you yeah cool but uh you saw yeah these documentaries are just making sense and mm. in a performance way as well as um as it being good for the environment and all those things mm. and so in the beginning i just thought well yeah I'll, I'll just give this a crack for a couple of weeks as a, as an experiment yeah like see how that goes and that couple of weeks turned into five months as an experiment yeah and I just, it was a real struggle to start with um, that anyone would experience that's had a go at it mm. uh, as far as missing old flavors, missing yeah. feeling full and content off, yeah. the meat, off the meat and dairy and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, just in, instinctively, I just felt I've just got to keep going with this. It is, mm. There's parts of it that feel good. Like the main part that felt good for me, I was doing this during my bodybuilding camps and um, I'd have a fairly decent meal and it felt like I just wasn't that full but it, but it meant that i feel like i felt like i could go surfing straight away Interesting. And that 
Yeah, yeah, and that um, in itself is like, whoa, this is this is different. This is cool. That goes against every feeling. I think anyone who with a traditional diet, the thought of getting straight into some high intensity exercise after a meal, one of your big meals of the day, is just it's a you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying like, veganism for you has resulted in this kind of like, I ate, I'm nourished. Let's go climb a mountain. Let's go surf out there. You don't. You're not. Packing yourself with this big heavy meal of yeah. meat and and um, processed foods that mm. the you know, especially again once you're older your your body has to use a lot of energy to go and digest all exactly. that food and send it off to the to the muscles and all yeah. around the body for um, to store energy and to repair mm. and yeah if you have these natural foods which can be breaking down so broken down so quickly yeah. and go straight to to energy storage then um, and, and you know, you don't need so much energy to, to break the foods down and to digest and that, then yeah. you're kind of almost good to go straight yeah. away. Yeah. So that was a real draw card for me. That was the like kind of good results I felt straight away. And then as I went along, I just found that the, the cravings for the old food I had went away. And one of the most interesting things was when I'd go to have, say, yogurt, like you know, dairy foods or meat again, and just just to sort of see how it felt as part of this experiment, you know, mm. I'm still treating it as an experiment. And I would have sweets like lollies or a little bit of cake or something, and I just feel rank afterwards. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the difference of eating natural whole foods compared to processed, like high sugar, um, just highly tampered with foods, mm. it's just amazing. Like how much better you feel, and how much better the body responds to these natural foods, mm. and yeah, again. At, Again, going down that journey, and me being the obsessive person I, I, I am, I, I just went really obsessive with how natural um, and how anti-processed foods I went. Mm. And just the more I went down that path, the better I felt, and the more rank things tasted or or felt in my body when yeah. I would go back to having, um, you know, processed foods or or sampling little bits of things here and there just yeah. to see what it felt like. And yeah, just like physically felt really good from it, mm. and I just learnt along the way what did what did fulfil me, like what filled me up, what gave me good energy, what foods particularly resp- I responded yeah. well with, and what my body uh, responded well with as far as storing energy for endurance. Yeah. And um, yeah, for for example, I, I really found that oats were, work really well for me in the mornings, like yeah. porridge, um, you know, granolas. And then at lunch, like brown rice meals. Yep. And then for dinner, sweet potato meals. And and then thickening sort of additives like avocado, yep. tahini, uh, olives. Yeah, stuff that really like thickens meals because I was so used to, I, I ate a lot when I was younger, like filling thick, juicy meat meals. Yeah, yeah. And throw some melted cheese on there. <laughs> and... Uh, and a lot of coconut products as well. Like right. I feel like, you know, you know, I learned over that year and a half what in the end would satisfy me and keep my energy levels up. And it was, and yeah, I feel, I feel like in that sort of short amount of time, I really um, discovered how good I felt from it and, mm. and uh, how much, um, um, how well my body responds to it. Yeah. I mean, looking at you today, you honestly don't look any different to you did. 20 years ago yeah, you know yeah. like you've got exactly the same physical build you don't you know, your body fat percentages must be almost the same as they were as you when you were 20 yeah, you, yeah. did you ever have that blowout um or when when i when 
first went on the medication, which yeah. that, that is quite normal that when people go on medication Put on some for weight, mental health, that yeah, it does slow the system down and yeah. it makes them crave food. And when you're in that lower state, you do you do go to food as a as a, as a comforting thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. as a feel good thing. Mm. So that um, puts the weight on as well. Mm. And uh, so yeah, I guess like yeah, going down the vegan route plus coming off the medication, which has lifted my metabolism a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, just really feel in good physical condition doing mixing mm. the foundation training in yeah. with with my body warding and um, just being on top of how much activity I'm doing versus how much rest I'm doing that I need being mm. being 40 now mm. yeah but, um, yeah I just feel like it's been a, a cool journey to be analytical of to see how I can get the best result from my body's performance at the age I'm at and setting that up going forward yeah if you were to kind of give yourself a rank out of 10 today about yeah. how you're feeling across these kind of key things you're doing in your life to to kind of represent your overall sense of well-being and performance and things like that yeah. where are you at in your own opinion out of 10 yeah yeah it's a good, a good question and it's a, a question that uh some of the uh been brought up with some of my like psychologists and, mm. and energy workers and stuff and i've i've just sort of always instinctively just shot 10 back straight away just okay because, so you're on 10 yeah yeah I okay mean, i just feel like you know, if you if you don't feel like you're ten out of ten, well, you're kind of wasting your time. And if you're not feeling strong yourself, then how can you be give that strong energy to your family or to mm. your friends or to the people that you want to lift around you? Mm. You know. So yeah, I'm I'm like looking after myself the best best I can, so that I can be ten. You know, that I can be the best version of myself to be to give the best version of myself to my family which is my priority you know mm. and then give the best version of myself to my sport to wherever, wherever it is in life that I want to inspire other people mm. and um, make make the most of this life yeah mm. yep I that you kind of led me into the, the next question about like kind of in relation to this and it's like all of the things you're doing can be kind of perceived through this is Ryan Hardy looking after Ryan Hardy which is cool like great everybody wants you to be healthy like you know all the fans want you to be healthy all the fans want to see you perform at your best um, and you want to do that on a personal level but on top of that you've got this purpose this external purpose which is really interesting to me because you're allowed to not give a shit about anyone else you know like you can go on like foundation training veganism feeling great doing good stuff but on top of that there's this extra this extra layer that's kind of like i want to deliver something out there mm -hmm. i want to you're saying things like i understand the family bit of course you want to be the best husband best father like of course that makes sense but beyond that mm -hmm. it's kind of like an extra offering that you're putting out there why does that matter yeah well it's uh, for me it's like something that just oozes from my mind and my heart's desire like especially right. you know since um my mind and, uh, has become more active um through going through this journey ha having kids you know raising kids but particularly in the in the mental health side of things um as i've become to as i've become more entrusting in my mind and believing more in what where my mind's taking me you know like uh the, the visions I have and the way that my inner voice speaks to me, you know, mm. it, I, I'm really learning to listen to that. Mm. And, um, you know, it just, it really it is a strong driver to listen to your, you know, where, where your thoughts take you, where your, your inner voice leads you. And for me, it's like just doing bodyboarding and bodyboard coaching is, is not enough, you know, mm. just being 
a dad and a husband is awesome, but it, but it's not enough for for where my mind goes. You know, mm. like I just it just uh, is forever constantly driving me uh, kind of beyond just the the normal things and. And uh, you know I'm, I'm gaining trust in that, and it's exciting to mm. follow that. And yeah, it just takes me to you know wanting to to lead and, and inspire and and lift other people in in the process of looking after myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting because you can be just excused for just focusing in on the couple of things that matter to you and yeah, healthy, yeah, yeah. I mean, know? like you know, so I could. But there's something bigger above it. Yeah, yeah, you. that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I could quite easily kind of just, just do the bodywork camps and focus on my family and, um, and you know, just do, do the things that make me feel good. Mm. And, 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 you know, that, that would probably be sweet, but it's not. It's not enough. It's not enough. Like, yeah, the, the, the thoughts that I have through my head and, and how, much, how much my heart um, feels empathy for things. You yeah, know? Like, okay. Like, it's just ridiculous how how much empathy I feel with with how sensitive I am, mm. and to not follow through with with you know feeling empathy for people that suffer with mental health, mm. feeling empathy for uh, people say like the indigenous people in Australia mm. and the fact that they've uh, have mental health issues, and, and you know I've I've read a lot of on their on their history and how and how much they were thriving in Australia before yeah. and, and and you know my my heart really goes out to those people and then that's just scratching the surface, you know, like, you know, all I need to be doing is driving my car for 10 minutes or washing the dishes and my mind goes beyond uh, as far as like visions and thinking beyond just what my present life is mm. and it's exciting for me to, to dive into that mm. and that's been part of my journey is diving into my emotions and not, because, you know, going through the whole mental health journey and, um, is quite across the board that you have to challenge what where your thoughts are going. Mm. So for a lot of people, it's blocking where your thoughts are going, which is fair enough when people have gone through a negative thought process or path, and that's in, landed them in jail. It's landed mm. them, them to a tragic place. Yeah, which is fair enough. But yeah, when, block those if you can. Like, yeah, that's yeah, understandable you know, like to work that's, that way. You gotta, you, that does have to be worked with. Yeah, but when your mind's going to places that you want to empower uh, people and you want to make the world a better place mm. then I'm not, not going to block that out nah. yeah so that's yeah where I'm going from here is I don't I don't see myself doing bodyboarding full-time you know I see it as as a part-time thing mm. it's it's a way of me um, still staying connected with the port to the sport and keeping me stoked mm. but yeah going spending quite a bit of my time going into towards the mental health world and and um, using my experience from that mm. part of my life to to um, you know lift other people's lives mm. and it's just so intertwined with bodyboarding like I just know that that I'll be forever bodyboarding because of um, you know what it's given me in my life and and what it can uh, give to other people's lives of all ages going forward from here mm. um, yeah, that's kind of just where I'm going from now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like bodyboarders too, generally, you know, we're a pretty emotional group of people in many ways. You know, we got people, all of us know the experiences of being a bodyboarder. Like, I mean, yeah. it's the closest I, I've maybe said this before on the podcast, but it's, it's about the closest I can ever experience as a white man in Australia to experiencing prejudice and, and yeah. like um, some kind of racial abuse like because you know surfers have treated us really badly like in society in general just 
looks at us and goes, why, why do you do that again? Like, why aren't you standing up? You know, we've yeah. had to deal with this in our whole lives. So I feel like as far as bodyboarders benefiting from what you're willing to give out there to them and to broader beyond the bodyboarding community, but bodyboarders in particular, like I'm sure it's a really positive um, force for them. And because we have had to deal with a lot of crap as, as, as young people, particularly bodyboarding, it's been this rebellious thing. It's been this thing that others don't understand. And we've been called all kinds of names and it's um, yeah, it's an interesting group of people. Cause I find um, we're exceptionally passionate Mm-hmm. And to stick to something um, in the face of all that adversity, you know, it's easy not to bodyboard. Yeah. You just stop yeah. it. Yep. Then you go and pick up a different board and, and everybody looks at you differently. Yeah, yeah, you don't cop the shit anymore. Exactly. So that's there's an easy out. solution, yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. don't. Yeah. And we put up with it and we and maybe some of us process it, some of us don't so well. So I think there's people on spectrums there about how have they dealt with the abuse over so many years. Yeah. But it's interesting to hear that that's a big part of you is that to to help lift others up. I think it's beautiful, of course. Um, but where does it fit? Because I want to bring it back into the, the bodyboarding world, like this whole idea of your your kind of um, journey you're on now, you're, you're, you're mixing mind and body and trying to find the optimum Ryan Hardy and you're, you're on tens already, which is great. So... You competed in front on two years ago, mm-hmm. two, three years ago now. Yep. And you finished seventh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Right? Seventh, yeah. So, like, first comp back in maybe. I think it was, I did front on two years in a row. Okay, yeah, so you turned up to front on two years in a row. Two comps I did, yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else. Little, little club. Little, little club clubby comps. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, Hanging no, around, no. having fun. Yeah. To finish seventh in that competition in those waves. Mm hmm. And to just kind of obliterate competitors along the way who are doing it like as their main focus in life, like I know that when you finally lost, when you were knocked out, you were you were annoyed. Yeah. You weren't happy. You weren't like, you went, oh well, that's life. You were kind yeah. of like, damn it, I yeah, wanted yeah. to keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you're in this kind of space where you're kind of, because you're a different guy from then to now, right? A lot has happened in those three years. Yeah. Yep. Like, where does the competitive landscape fit for you? Like, is it something mm-hmm. that you can indulge in and justify within this current um, trajectory for you? Because I'm sure yep. people listening and watching this will be like, fucking please, mate, can you turn yeah. up to a comp? <laughs> yeah. So where does it yeah. fit for you? Yeah, well, I, I um, yeah, I, I just definitely like, like so that, you know, with the journey I'm on, uh, I'm really exploring like, okay, so what's possible in these high moods that I can dive into? Yeah. And I know that, for, you know, since forever... Uh, bodyboarding and especially competing with bodyboarding is where I've reached kind of my highest energy potential mm. and so for me that's exciting and, and um, I'd definitely love to compete again whenever the opportunity arises mm. and see how that feels like yeah see what comes of that mm. and um, yeah that's exciting to think about and I'm definitely leaving that door open mm, cool and just seeing uh, what comes up, what's possible, and, and you know, I'd still love to be involved in the sport as mm. far, but, and particularly on the ground roots level, mm. you know, with, with my coaching and I'm aspiring this year to set up bodyboard coaching courses and I'm really um, looking at working closely with Surfing Australia in, set, in um, connecting all the clubs of Australia yeah. and making the sport strong in that aspect. But uh, yeah, you know, as far as uh, keeping myself, health, myself healthy through you know, um, being vegan and uh, foundation training and and mixing them the mental health knowing that that turns into physical health like yes yeah, is all part of pre- prolonging my best physical con- physical condition mm. and knowing that 
competing in bodyboarding is like some of my the one of the funnest things and the most exciting things I can do. Yeah, I think it's inevitable that um, that I'll compete again. You know, I'm, I'm kind of constantly having visions of me competing at certain places like Chile or Fronton, and, okay. and you know, I dive into that. I, okay. I think okay, that's that'd be awesome if that happens again. How do you yeah. imagine it though? Like, um, I mean, do you have like because I, I I'm assuming that with this current kind of um, the reduction of the mood stabilizers, the embrace of the sensitivity that you have mm. to the world, and then mm. enabling yourself to visualize probably in vivid detail. I imagine that your visions are like the most detailed visions <laughs> ever. But like, are you winning? Are you, are you, and does this translate into confidence where you're like, yeah, if I turn up, I can win this? It's, uh, no, I don't, I don't really, I don't really think about the, the winning and the, um, the desire to win like like I once did it's okay. more it's more the moment you know like what wow I wonder what could be possible if I got in this uh, competition environment mm. feeling uh, healthy like I do and feeling uh, just driven and just electrified in the moment and mm. I wonder what 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 would be possible there and how how good that could be feel and how good I could perform and and what impact that would have mm. on people to to um, to be uh, witness to that and you know particularly for me to if to have, uh, if I had a really crazy performance and at this point in my career, like how, how good would that feel? And then yeah. to that afternoon go into a, a coaching course with Groms from that country, like, you know, I'd just be on cloud nine and be the biggest mm. high ever. So it's <laughs> and, both, um, both still, like it sounds like there's almost an equal waiting there. On yeah, the... yeah, totally. Yeah, mm. you know, like the, the coaching and mentoring and bodyboarding and, and mental health, like that, at the moment is I'm as driven on that side as I am to compete but I know that for me to jump in the water competing I would have more energy um, just pumping through my body than than doing the, the kind of you know philanthropy humanitarian yeah. things which is which is all feel good and yes I, I, I'll get pumped up doing that but nothing I know that nothing would pump me up more than competing in sick waves with the best mm. bodyboarders so yeah. that will naturally attract me to do that cool. again but uh, yeah, as far as like yeah, world title aspirations or wanting to win contests, that's not really in my radar. Like I feel like I, I'll kind of leave that to the moment. Yeah. You know? Like like I'm you just want to perform. Yeah, I, I just want to feel that. Again. Yeah. I just want to feel that. Yeah. yeah and, and see and see what happens. And, yeah. And then you know the the thought of going away on a trip with friends again. Like yeah. That, that would be really cool. Like just a, just like a video, do a clip or like yeah, actually go and compete in the free surfing environment. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot to that as well. Yeah. Oh well, cool. I'm sure there's some fans listening who are, who are electrified by this news. <laughs> I'm sure as hell like happy to hear it, but I don't want to heat with him in this electrified <laughs> state. I'd yeah. prefer some other deal there. But um, no, that's really cool to hear. Coming back to the career stuff, we're kind of at the hour point. And we could talk for another hour easily. Um, but coming back to kind of, I, I wanted to go through like, if there's any kind of key moments that were defining in your life with the bodyboarding career. And one of the ones I wanted to start with is like, and maybe it does, obviously it'll translate back to the mental health journey a little bit, but like that Tahiti Skins competition, 2000 and 2000? 2000, yeah. Yeah, you won it. How, how old were you when you won that? I was that? 20. So I was 20, 20. 21 in November that year. Okay, all right. Yeah. So that was outrageous, right? Like, is in, like, where does that moment, and in particular that, I want to start with the moment, and then I want to go into that actual, that spin in the barrel, mm-hmm. which really defined that moment yeah. in many ways. Yeah. How did that 
really feel for you if you cast yourself back there again? Like, yeah. what was going on? Well, um, I, I, when you say, how does that feel? That takes me back to the moment where, so the final had been surfed, I came in to the shore and uh, Stuart, I think Mike Stewart was on the same boat or another boat where we came back to the jetty. And I remember him coming up to congratulate me, you know, after he's just, uh, you know, that I'd won and he'd lost mm. and it was just surreal. And yeah, he came in, gave you know, gave me a handshake and hug, and I was just like bawling, just like on the biggest tide, just not not knowing what the fuck had just happened. Mm. And I just remember that whole afternoon, I was just like tingling, like so mm. high, naturally, uh, from what had just happened. And I know now that that was literally like a man, uh, uh, an elevated manic state with how yeah. high I was feeling. Exactly. You know? huh? And so, you know, that performance through that whole day with that environment, you know, the world's best. Yeah, and it was wave. really the world's best at the time. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. no one missing and, yeah, really so from many that. Elements, you yeah, know, had had the media at that time was the it was the most covered media event as far as photographers, uh, Red Bull TV yeah, I think exactly. did it. Um, you know, full media boat and you know, just that whole environment just totally lifted me to become this but but I was I, I remember going into the final being quite overwhelmed right you know? like I I had my goal sheet that I re read every night that I was in Tahiti that two weeks prior saying that I wanted to get first in that contest you know? oh okay that I was, was very sheet. very driven yeah, yeah okay this is time. the analytical deep yeah like this yeah, is already yeah. and the this was the really motivated young 20 yeah. year old with a dream you know wanting yeah. to be a superhero wanting to be one of the best riders in the world mm. I've, I've grown up watching all these um, riders like Mike and Steve McKenzie and um, yeah, Glenn Tamaga mm. and, and you know, wanting to be them, like wanting that feeling of, of being one of the best in the world. Mm. And so, yeah, my goal of winning that contest, although a little sort of unrealistic at that time, given that I was an up and comer mm. against the, the world's best and my biggest idols. Yeah. And so when it got to the start of that final and I'm in the water and there's Mike and Tamaga to the, uh, like, monsters of our sport yeah, yeah. that I've seen Hawaii just pushing the level so high mm. and what you're seeing them so serious you know as the finals just started like paddling ahead of me it was like oh this is just surreal like I, I just kind of don't really <laughs> where feel do like I fit in this here. moment yeah, yeah I'm just feeling a little bit like starstruck yeah and weakened a little bit yeah but then I hear the Aussies behind me in their boat like yelling out like go hardballs go go come on um and that and then that sort of lifted me up and then I and then I remembered my goal sheet and yep. then and then I switched on focus and I was like, All right, I'm here. Like this yeah. is the this is the chance, this is what what I came here to do. So get get in line. Um Were you last in line? Wife. I was last in line. <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna go hassle the hassle the you know, my, my And that's a key difference between you and I. <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah, key and, difference you know, between the, the two yeah, of us. Come up to reasons I haven't gone on to win a world title. But in this state this yeah contest that worked for me because yeah. I sat wider and actually picked up a good first wave. That was a barrel, wide. right? It was a barrel one. Yeah. And then after that, then, then I, was, I was feeling good. I was, I was electrified at yeah. the moment. The Aussies were yelling at me, pumping me up. So I was like, all right, now I'll, I'll go and wait for my turn for the wave. Yeah. And sure enough, when it got to my turn that the other guys had got a set. Yeah. Then I was deepest and a big set came. And this was the moment, you know, and I was so focused and mm. pumped up. And things in that in that state, things kind of slowed down for mm -hmm. me as far as uh, seeing the swell come and being so focused and uh, you know, reading the wave coming in, trying to get deep, taking the drop, not thinking any 
anything beyond... You weren't thinking of... Not thinking of spinning the barrel. No? Okay. No, no. On like, this wave. This is yeah. on the wave where you did the spin in the barrel. Yeah, You're not thinking spin about barrel. a spin in the barrel. No, no, no. Wow. Just, like, just okay. trying to line myself up deep on the reef so mm. that I was in a position that I could potentially get a deep barrel yep. to um, get a high score. Okay. Yep. And then it's... Uh, so it took quite a... Yeah, it, a wave at Chopes, you'd be able to appreciate this. Mm. It's a heavy, fast-moving swirl with a massive line on it that yeah. looks like a closeout. Yeah. So, you know, the commitment to paddling to that wave, you're mm. not just fluffing around, looking nah. down the line, going, hmm, I wonder what it'll do. <laughs> no, nah, you're not down at all the line. You're just, like, head nah. down, like, you've got to paddle as hard as you can, yeah. can to keep up with this, like, mass, this thick, fast-moving Pacific Ocean swirl yeah. that's come from fathoms deep. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just head, head down, just, like, paddling hard to get a nice sort of smooth vertical drop under the yeah. ledge. Now take the drop and just the, so this is kind of, you know, the rep, the memory of this is such slow motion for me. I'm and sure. I think because I was so high adrenaline and I feel this can still happen nowadays is when my adrenaline's so high, I have the ability to sort of calm myself mm. and actually slow my heart rate down and, and be able to see things slower. Mm. And um, I remember having, having this talk with some of my campers about how that, translates across to other sports how mm. how some sports people seem to have more time in certain mm. situations and be calmer and and react better so anyway yeah so i've taken the drop and and in the bottom turn just had one probably half a second look at the line down the wave mm. the way it was wrapping on the reef the position i was in and so in that in that moment like that that flash it was like okay i got i got space here that i could do a spin um in time that I could keep my momentum going across the wave as mm. I'm spinning, as the barrel's going over, and then make it through the last bit of uh, the wrapping wall that I can see down the line. Mm. But you know, for, for all that thinking to be happening that quick, <laughs> half a second, in half a second of a you know eight foot heavy wave, yeah. that's yeah, you know, there's some real high energy stuff mm -hmm. going on there. Yeah, yeah, you know. So um, yeah, that's that's a really nice memory to think of coming off the bottom, seeing a line of the wave. And the barrel about to come over and just and, and not yeah you know, there's no second thinking or nah it's just reacting with that with all that intention and the, the electrified energy of the moment and then through the spin that i've been practicing a lot months mm. before that not mm. thinking oh, i was going to do that yeah. it's just what was uh happening at the time in my in my training mm. and it was popular in the world at that time doing spins into the yeah. barrel with you know rivals like Kingy and Ben were doing yeah. really good at the time. A lot of that was sort of in that moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so yeah, through the spin and while I was spinning again, it was super slow motion. Like looking back, like like really focusing on uh, leaning it hard into my inside rail yeah. to make this because I was going fast. You know, yeah, exactly. It's an eight foot wave. Yeah. And I'm and I'm coming off the bottom with a lot of speed and I have to like jam it really hard so it turns that speed into a fast spin. Mm. So as I jammed into it I've, you know, I've taken my eye off the wave because I'm focusing on all the pressure going in the top third of the board leaning just enough mm. pressing hard enough that I don't release the spin and go into the roof so it was all which know, is highly very, likely on this manoeuvre in this yeah, way like, yeah, I mean, that's, right. that's what was so incredible yeah so high focus on that putting the pressure in leaning into it and then release and as I released I was looking backwards into the barrel which mm. is this huge open space cabin <laughs> And that that and then and then seeing in like a thousand frames a second to slowly like looking at that barrel behind me, slowly starting to look towards the mountains and seeing mm. the, the the lip coming over sort of in front of me but way over, you know, way mm. past me. That's an incredible vision. And then and then yeah, you know, so then the, the falling lip starts to turn into 
mountains and and sky and then and then into the about looking out the barrel out to the channel and then i just remember just like uh, engaging so much tension to yeah to drive my shoulders forward to keep the momentum going forward and then there was a chandelier mm. that i had to bust through yeah. so that was uh, like so tense on my board at that time holding yeah. on like with yeah, every holding bit. On, like, okay i've got the momentum here but i've got to get through <laughs> this little chandelier yeah. yeah, and then and then yeah, I'm feeling tense now. Just yeah, exactly. So then I'm, yeah, I'm clenching my fists. Yeah, yeah. So I push through that, uh, and then came through that, and it's just like open air. Yeah. And 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 then total release of tension. Like oh, mm. I've made it. I've gone past the judges' boat, so they've seen me come mm. out. And then yeah, then just came off the back of the wave. I knew I had to claim it for the skin That's score. That's right. Yeah, that was that bit. But it wasn't just like to lift the finger. It's like <laughs> oh, whole body release, <laughs> throwing my arm up to the heavens. And it's here and everyone exploding in the yeah. boats. And uh, yeah, I just felt, I felt like, oh, I've just, I, I just felt like oh, I've just won. Like, mm. even though it was still, it was only halfway through and you couldn't count out, you know, Stuart and Tamagra and Alistair that yeah. still had time. But I just felt like, I felt like, you know, that, that was what, as a kid, I wanted to do. I wanted to be one of the best riders in the world. And I felt like that, that wave had sort of just launched me there mm. and, and then beyond whether whether I won or not, even though I kind of felt like I'd won, yeah, I just I just felt so complete in that mm. moment, yeah, so fulfilled, mm. yeah, and I just like sat in the channel and and you know, I kind of just was barely watching what was going on because I was on such a butt the high. Ah, oh, that's right, because you'd claimed your two waves. Yeah, so I had so to there was no out. more surfing. Yeah, I had to sit out of the water for two for a two bit over ten minutes, like yeah. two waves. Yep. Yeah, I had, you, I had, did I you had, have another one in between? I had a warm-up wave. The first wave is just a shitty shoulder. Yeah. I, think I was probably just warming up. Yeah. Just shaking the nerves off. Yeah. And okay, then, so... And then I just had two waves. Two waves back to back. Yep. Then I sat in... Halfway the, through the heat. Yep. Just, Crazy. Just past halfway, and then I sat in the channel, just sort of drifted out toward the horizon. I remember just getting a little moment, getting yeah. probably away from... <laughs> other people the supporting the Americans, uh, Americans and Brazilians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then, and then, and then I came back in as, as I could see on my watch that the time was nearly done and then the, the Aussie guys like Ben and Toby and Kingy mm. and Tyson and um, Lester and, and the guys in the water sort of all circled me and counted down and then like came and lifted me up. Mm. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, from from there and, and then coming in and getting hugged for Mike and then doing the, the prezos and, and doing a, a talk getting interviewed for tv and stuff yeah. was, that was just all like a, a haze like being on ecstasy or something yeah. not that i've done that but from what i hear like you just like i was just euphoric yeah and um yeah you know that was uh definitely like the the real moment of my career where um i kind of felt like i achieved like like it's like you know i felt like if my career finished there that that's that was that's a enough. dream a dream fulfilled yeah. yeah 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 anything beyond that sort of a bonus but um yeah obviously my career went on for a lot longer and i had world title aspirations mm. and and a lot more happened but yeah. that was yeah that was a huge moment well like obviously there is a lot more that happened after that moment but i'm mm. actually going to call this interview around here because we're at the hour 15 mark this is one of the longest ones i've ever cool. done yeah, and nice i think it's a nice little moment to kind of finish on and, and it gives us space to have another one and more mm. and more into the future um to kind of wrap it up i've got two two final kind of finishing questions like what what does the next six months look like for you and maybe give the viewer an update and, and they can kind of follow up and if there's anything cool where they can get involved with you whether it, you know whatever that is yep. and also 
you got to tell me about this sound meditation again. What was that? Like, what was that all about? So, what <laughs> yeah. are you doing? What do you do? What do you want to start with? Sound meditation. Oh, yeah, I'll, describe I'll, I'll that quickly that for quickly. us. Yeah. yeah. So, so you got. Well, you had your vision of the forty-four inch board. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, and I, I ended up calling this, calling it the Zenbu. I got, I got the board actually made as a fifty-four inch double blank that Mez made up for us, uh-huh. and I got the Zen symbol put on it, born from Ubud. Okay. And, and, um, Epic. Yeah, you get so you get a. A massage, and then you stand in this bowl, and they like in a probably, bowl. Yeah, for about fifteen minutes, you stand in this big kind of brass bowl, right? And, the, and you, there's meditation music going in the background, and they like bang this bowl with like a, a metal spoon, I think, which mm. gives it a, a vibration. Okay, so yeah. you, like we're talking like a, ba- a wine barrel size, uh, uh, kind of like a, uh, a massive salad bowl size, like you're standing in a human size salad yeah, bowl. Yeah, yeah, okay. and you know, just uh, and you, you're sort Learning of up in the mountains here. in the woods and this yeah. in, in the um, higher altitude and the tranquil air of the forest surrounds mm. there and um, yeah you're just in this super meditative state and mm. that's where your your mind and your creative mind just goes drifting yeah and yeah it just took me to um, Zenbug yeah to Zenbug <laughs> and, and that, that eventually as Zen, Zenbug was a pretty good board yeah. but it um, wasn't 54, 54 inch yeah, it's, an, it's an awesome board yeah but it realistically wasn't the best versatile board, which yeah. is kind of what I wanted okay. ideally. So it led to chopping the, ten now, inches off it. The, yeah, chop ten inches off, and now it's the B Punk Boog, which is a great, really fun, versatile board. Sweet. Uh, yeah, all born from a, a sound meditation. Sound meditation in a big brass a bowl, yeah, human sized yeah. cell bowl. But uh, yeah, I, I love any of that. You know, Balinese massage, yeah. um, sound meditations. I did a. Uh, in a board, they've got these big pyramids where you can do uh, sound meditation healing sessions as well. Yeah, right. And yeah, just the place you, you how relaxed and softened you can get, and the place your mind goes to in those moments. Is, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it to Sounds anyone. wonderful. So nice. Sounds yeah. wonderful. Okay, well, that's now I understand what the sound meditation is. And the final thing before we run out of battery on this GoPro. Um, What's the next few months look like for you? Is there any updates? Anything yeah, cool to well, check out? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just super amped on this year. What, mm. what I'm basically looking at, um, you know, my main priority that I've got locked in is the barley camps between yep. March and October. Okay. So I'll be going from where I live now in Pottsville, northern New South Wales. I'll be um, just flying up to Bali for doing my two weeks. Yep. Coming back for three or four, basically doing that from March to October. Yep. And uh, my family will be coming up for some of the school holiday stints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that because Bali's just been amazing over yeah. the years. Have Looks such like a good it's been fun. Yeah, fun waves, lots of surfing. And then uh, continuing on with my foundation training, yep. getting certified in that. And yeah, and uh, definitely spending time with uh, trying to help set up clubs uh, and working with Surfing Australia and the High Performance Centre that I live oh, close okay, to up cool. in New South Wales yeah, yeah. and look at setting up bodyboard opportunities there. Epic. Yeah. And then, yeah, also ex- exploring uh, the mental health world, you know, still mm. do it, doing uh, talks where I can and, and really wanting to connect with people mm. uh, in, in that uh, side of things. And, um, yeah, I've been, also been into Qigong when I've been up in okay. Bali. That's a, yep. that's a way of, um, of working on your, they call, call it, flow of chi mm. or energy in the body which can kind of be translated as, as your flow of blood in the body and, mm. and that's really ties in with um uh you know the more the better your blood's flowing the more that you're you're alive with your senses yeah and the better your your body's healing and repair can be and also activation of energy you know yep. if you've got really open flowing uh, blood in your body from your heart to your extremities then you, you know 
imagine that you've got to react really quickly, mm. then that uh, it could work so well for you in electrify when you're in those electrified. I was about moments. to say the electrified state yeah, can happen you know, easier. So right? so mm. I look at you know doing continuing my practice with qigong and foundation training is a way of, of you know adding these feathers that mm. can sort of optimize uh, my own performance and then mm. go on to coach and mentor people with that along along with the mental health side of things and and just so i'm kind of like on this mission to have, mission to help find the best version of myself mm. and then using that experience to offer to others that's that's where i'm going in 2020 far out man. with a little yeah bodyboarding the side if i can get to a comp great but, yeah i'm pumped man. epic so, well i'm stoked we've got this interview done thanks for dropping by really appreciate it and can't wait to do it again stoked, sure everyone Josh. agrees yeah yeah cool. epic to catch up and i hope um people feeling electrified and excited mm-hmm. from some of the stories and that and yeah. uh, take that into your day and get pumped we'll see you see everyone in the water beautiful funnily enough before i sat down with ryan i told him that i didn't want to dwell too much on the mental health journey you know i feel like he's spoken about it a lot in other podcasts in uh, print form um, but look, he, we, we kind of went there still, but, um, tried to put a different angle on it, I guess, try to, try to tease a little bit out of, out of him about his experience and kind of the practical approaches he might have moving forward. I hope it was helpful for anyone out there, um, dealing with, uh, mental health issues, challenges and whatnot. I mean, it's something that affects everyone one way or another. So, um, why not talk about it? Thank you so much, Ryan Hardy for, you know, opening your heart and mind and, and sharing it so willingly with everyone. Um, there's a lot more to go through with Ryan. We got we did get to touch on a pretty special moment there at the end uh, regarding his his victory at the Tahiti Skins, which I really wanted to touch on because I didn't, you know, there's a lot of assumptions I had about that moment, um, which turned out not to be true. So really cool to, to get that out of him. And look, there's so much more to talk about with Ryan. Um, so there'll be many more podcasts to come. A huge thank you to him again for everything he's done for the sport and a huge thanks to you, dear listener, for being patient. Um, hopefully I've got a I've got a few more left in the bank, not many more, but a few more left in the bank to get published and then I'll be all out of podcasts and on the hunt for new guests, um, some repeat guests, but definitely some new ones. So um, I look forward to doing a few of those interviews and I'll try and get back to a regular program of one episode every fortnight but i just want to give everyone a bit of a new year treat so i hope you've enjoyed it and i really do appreciate your support okay until next time